0: All right, well, today we are continuing in our series on the letter to the Philippians. And as always, I encourage you, if you've missed any of the messages, you can go on our website, lancasterfirst.com, and find all of the messages there under the media tab. And so last time we finished uh, looking at chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And we talked a lot about the peace of God and saw that if you want to have and experience the peace of God, you need a few things when you're in a difficult situation. First, You need to remember that God is near. And then next, you need to pray. Talk to God about it. Pray through about it. And then begin to make petitions. Tell him what you want, what you'd like to see, and what you need in the process. He may not always give you the exact thing you think you want or need, but he's going to um, work in your situation. And finally, add a lot of thanksgiving in the process. And then it says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, today, in the time we have left, we're going to look at just the next couple of verses, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. So let's read it together, and then we'll come back and explore how we can apply that to our lives. All right? So he says this, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. All right, will you bow in prayer with me over the Word of God this morning? Oh, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your word. God, open our ears to hear it. Open our hearts to understand it. And open our eyes to see what you're doing in our lives, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, all right. Now, the first thing I want you to see in in, in these verses is the context, right? Because this verse isn't an island, right? It it wasn't said in a vacuum. It has some important context. And the immediate context is the verses that we looked at last week. And the theme in this context is the peace of God. That's that's really what he's continuing on with in these verses. And and so verses six and seven, they're about our prayer life. And Paul is showing them how to pray through a difficult situation and find the peace of God in the middle of a difficult situation. And then here in verses eight and nine, it's about our thought life, about the things we're thinking. He wants to show us how to walk in the peace of God throughout the day. So after we've finished praying and we have prayed through to the peace of God, uh, how do we walk in the peace of God that we've achieved through prayer? And, and so your thought life, the things that you think about and, and dwell on and fixate on all day long, is so important and vital to maintaining the peace of God that we've been talking about. And so in putting these verses here, it's it's kind of like Paul is saying, you know, listen, after you've achieved this peace of God in prayer, after you've laid everything before him and made petitions and engaged in thanksgiving and experienced this peace of God, right? Don't then begin to fixate and obsess about and focus on All of those things that brought you all of that anxiety to begin with, right? Don't go back to the stinking thinking that caused all of your anxiety in the first place, right? So remember, Jesus asked us, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And then he went on to say that your heavenly father knows everything that you need and he cares for you. And so he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so your thought life, what you dwell on all day long, is important to maintaining the peace of God that you achieve through prayer. So to Jesus now, the thought life, now catch this, to Jesus, the thought life, and the outward life are one and the same. And, and now to us, often we separate those things because you know, we can't really see perfectly into another person's heart. We can see what happens on the outside and what's done on the outside, but we can't always see perfectly to the motivation of the heart, the way God can see that perfectly, right? And that, so that's why he says things like, don't judge lest, lest you be judged, right? Because we can't tell those motives all the time. And so sometimes we tend to separate out the thought life from from, from the outward life. But to Jesus, they're one and the same. This is why he said things like, you know, if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery in his heart. Or or if someone is is filled with hate towards someone else or anger that he won't give up, that he's committed murder in his heart, right? To God, the thought life and the outward life are one and the same. I mean, the prophet Jeremiah said it this way. He said, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, one and the same. Proverbs says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your thought life is really, really important. So, and so right after showing us how to obtain peace in our prayer life, he shows us how to maintain peace in our thought life. And, and so there are about eight things In these verses that Paul says that we should think about and the word here implies a concentrated focus right it's not passive it's intentional intentionally think about these things and it requires some purposefulness and so he gives us these eight kinds of things that we should dwell on meditate on fixate on obsess about if you will if you're gonna obsess about anything obsess about these things in this verse if we're going to maintain God's peace throughout the day. So, now, this might not be an exhaustive list. You might find some other things in the scriptures that the Bible says to think about. And, you know, that's okay. And also, you might find some of these things overlap a little bit as well. I, I think um, he's not intending to give us exclusive categories as much as he's trying to cover all the bases, I think. Right? So, let's look at all of them briefly. Philippians He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. All right. So the first thing he says that you should think about here is whatever is true. If you're going to walk in the peace of God all day long, think about whatever is true. Now, what does Paul mean here? You know, I don't think he means for us to take this in the broadest sense possible. Like, like think about any random facts that are true. Like, two plus two equals four. The sky is blue, all right? The trees are green. You know, I don't think he means for us to just think in the broadest sense possible that way, right? Uh, um, uh, For example, you know, my wife's a math teacher. And she will tell you that the Pythagorean theorem is true. You know, but... Going around thinking A squared plus B squared equals C squared doesn't do anything for me. Now, it might do something for her. I mean, she likes that world. It might bring peace to her, but it doesn't do anything for me, right? And so he's not saying just about any random facts that are true. But the context gives us two ideas about what's in Paul's mind here when he says think on whatever is true. And the first is this. Think about the things that are true about God in the situation that you're in. Think about the things that are true about God in the situation that you're in. I mean, you've just achieved some peace over your situation, right? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Now, as you walk through the situation you're in, dwell upon, think upon, meditate on, take it with you into your day, all the truths about God that... that relate to your situation. I mean, keep repeating that truth all day, all day long. Take the word of God into your day. If there's a verse or a passage that particularly applies to your situation, right, write it down. Put it on Facebook so that you can see it all day long. right? Or every time someone likes it or, or shares it um, or put it on your Instagram feed and when people see it, you'll be reminded of that verse all day long. Keep thinking about the things that are true about God. And then secondly... Sometimes the word for true here has the idea of true in the sense of genuine, and sincere, honest, and integrous. And we saw this use of the word uh, just a little bit earlier in this book, in chapter 1. You remember when Paul was saying that there were some people going around preaching the word of God, uh, and some of them were preaching out of goodwill. Uh, They loved Paul, they loved Jesus, they loved the gospel, and they saw Paul was in change, and they were preaching out of goodwill. But then he says there were others who were going around uh, preaching uh, out of envy instead, and they supposed that they could stir up trouble for Paul while he was in, in prison there. And, and he says it this way. He says, there was some preaching out of selfish ambition, not sincerely. And, and he goes on and says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. So true in the sense of genuine sincere, honest, and integrous. And so as you approach your situation and the things that that, that you're facing, he's saying, think about how you're going to face these things in a genuine way, with a genuine kind of faith, with an honest kind of disposition, with with an integrous attitude. Think about what that looks like. And continue to think about the truth of God in your situation. Think about whatever... Is true. And then next he says, think about whatever is noble. If you're going to walk in the peace of God all day long, think about whatever is noble. And the idea here is honorable and worthy of respect, of good character. And so as you're facing your day, um, as you're walking through your situation, he's saying, you know, ask yourself, how am I going to be honorable? How am I going to conduct myself in a way that is worthy of Respect I mean, what things should I do that would make Jesus say, "You know what? That's some Holy Spirit fruit right there. You know what? That's some fruit from, from remaining in the vine. That's some behavior that, that I'm proud of. Think about how you can act in a noble way. Now, how many of you from time to time, maybe you've been tempted. You're in a situation, things have been said, and you'd like to just go over here and just lay your sanctification down for a few minutes and come back and just tell somebody how it is, right? And then come back after that and pick up your sanctification again. You know, how many of you ever felt that way? Well, you know, Paul is saying here, don't do that. You may be tempted sometimes to act less than nobly, to act less than honorable. But he's saying, don't do that. Instead, think about what is honorable. Think about what is respectable, right? And think about the things that will give you a good reputation. Think about what is noble. And then next he says, if you're going to walk in peace all day long, think about whatever is right. Some translations here say just. Think about what is just. Think about what is right. Dwell on, focus on, what's the right thing to do in this situation. And you know what? This kind of is continuing on in uh, in the same direction as Noble was, but the idea with... Being just in the Bible also has in mind how we treat other people. Treating people justly. How we're interacting with other people. I mean, think about how to be just towards other people. I mean, don't just think about how to be unjust, right? Think about how to do the right thing towards other people. Think about what is right. And then next he says, if you're going to walk in God's peace all day long, think about whatever is pure. And that is, without fault, without defect. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of stuff that's impure that comes at us from our world. I mean, all you got to do is turn on the news sometimes, you know, and, and and he's saying, you know, don't fill your mind with all kinds of impure stuff. Don't be thinking about all kinds of impure stuff all the time, you know, and I'm not saying that you should ignore everything that's happening in the world or, or, or be uninformed or anything like that. You know, I believe you should know what's going on. You should stay engaged, right? But you don't need to watch it all from 6 p.m. all the way through to 11 p.m. to be informed, right? At some point, you've got to turn that off and turn on you know, the things of God that are, that are pure, right? And the news really, it's just the beginning, right? It seems like much of the rest of the culture just goes downhill from there. Can I, can I just say something? I mean, there is some music that you should not listen to. I mean, there's some stuff out there that's just vile. It's degrading to women. It's degrading to men. It's degrading uh, to young people. And, and there's some stuff that's become mainstream that I can't even repeat here a portion of it as an example. Because it's too vile to repeat. And uh, so he says, don't fill your mind with that kinds of stuff. Then there are some movies and some shows that you just shouldn't watch. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that has nothing true, nothing noble, nothing right and nothing pure in it i mean and and there's a lot of stuff that's filled with impurity and he says don't fill your mind with that stuff don't dwell on and fixate on impurity and you know i'm not going to give you some legalistic list here of all the things that are acceptable to watch and listen to and all the things that are not you know i'm not going to give you that for you but um but have some standards I mean, have some things that you're just not going to allow into your heart. I, I can't tell you, for you, but for me, you know, I don't want anything already to come into my house. I mean, I think about the only exceptions to that are some historical, um, integrous treatments of some uh, historical things, like, for example, the Passion of the Christ, or maybe something like Schindler's List, or something like that, that is an honest... Uh, a respectful treatment of some historical event. But I don't want all that other stuff coming in. And there's a lot of PG-13 stuff I don't want coming into my house and into my heart. Um, don't dwell on impurity. Think about what is pure. And you know what? I can remember. How many of you remember the 80s, right? I can remember in the 80s when preachers would, would, would talk about this and preach against impure things that are available in society. Um, pretty much they were talking about movies, TV, music, and magazines. I mean, I mean, those four things. And, and really, you had to go find those things. And I've got to tell you, today, those days look quaint compared to today after the explosion of cable TV and and satellite TV and social media and internet and on-demand content that's that's in your hands 24-7, wherever you go, you can get it on the bus, you can get it uh, at the doctor's office, at the supermarket, wherever you are, you have this on-demand content right there, and and it's coming at you 24-7. You don't have to schedule or go out of your way to find impurity anymore. It's just coming at you all day long. And often it's advertised on apps that, that the app themselves isn't impure, but, but impure sources are using these apps to, to, to get to you. It's just a click away. And it's a problem. And it affects Christians as well as non-Christians. Did you know that according to one poll, 64% of men who profess to be Christians And 15% of women who profess to be Christians say that they view porn at least once a month. That's a problem. That's impure. It displeases God. It's not in concert with the character of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in you. And if you think you can handle it, if you think you can handle just playing with that a little bit, can I tell you, you can't. It will destroy you. It will destroy your spirit first and then begin to s- destroy relationships around you. You know, I can remember one guy I knew years and years ago who, was, uh, who almost became a pastor. He was this close. The church was, 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 was offering him a position as a pastor. But instead, he, he, he went a different direction, got into porn. And then six months later, um, he left his wife. He left his, his young daughter. And uh, destroyed his life and and his marriage. It will destroy you. And so, can I encourage you? If you find yourself at all in any way in bondage to that, going down that way, do whatever you need to to get rid of that. Drag it into the light. Show it to the light, and get rid of that. And, and, And and I know, I know, it feels shameful. And you don't want to drag it into the light. But if you can't come to me about it or one of the other pastors about it, can I encourage you, at least go home and Google Be Broken or, or Pure Life, and you'll find a ministry there that can help you confidentially deal with this and get out of that bondage. Think about what is pure. Say, you know what's pure and without fault and without defect? The Word of God. Can I encourage you to get in the Word of God? Think His thoughts. Meditate His thoughts. Focus on what He says is important. Hey, you know who is pure and without defect and without fault? The Lord Jesus Christ. Think about Him. Think about His love. Think about His grace, about His mercy, about redemption. Think about everything about Jesus. Think about what is pure. And then next, if you're going to walk in God's peace all day long, he says, think about whatever is lovely. Now, the idea here we think about what is lovely. It, it's not the idea of um, lovely in the sense of, hey, that's a lovely blouse, or that's a lovely shirt, or, oh boy, those are some lovely flowers there, or a lovely picture, right? The Greek here, the Greek word is prosphileo, made of two Greek words. And uh, pros means two, or towards, And phileo is one of the Greek words for love. It's a brotherly, a warm, brotherly kind of love that we should all have. And so the idea is, think about things that move you towards love. Think about things that inspire you to love, right? Don't dwell in and camp out on all those things that make you angry and upset all the time. Don't focus on things that inspire hatred and offenses. Focus on things that inspire love, that move you towards love. So if your spouse squeezes a toothpaste in the wrong place, well, don't focus on that all day until they come home. If it bothers you, fix it, and then go on and start thinking about things that inspire love. If your spouse has some annoying habit, don't focus on that myopically so that that's all you can see. Focus on the other stuff. Focus on things that inspire and move you towards love. Teenagers, if your parents have some... Thing that they're doing that is annoying you. Or maybe you want to go to some party, they're not letting you. You want to go somewhere, they're not letting you. Well, don't focus on that so myopically and go in your room and just sit there and brood until you're kind of like um, Eeyore with a cloud over your head all day long, right? Instead, think about things that inspire love. Now, That's not to say that there aren't sometimes some serious things that you need to deal with, some serious issues that you need to deal with. We're not saying you should just sweep those under the rug or anything like that or let them boil over or or push them down until they explode or anything like that. But even if you have to address some serious issues, don't focus so myopically on them that you can't see anything else. Also, create some space to focus on the things that inspire love. You know, I can remember when our girls were little. I mean, you know, there were some days, there were some days that they would frustrate us so much and uh, we didn't know what was going on. Sometimes we didn't know if they were the problem or if we were the problem, right? And we get all frustrated. And you know what we'd do sometimes? How many of you remember that show, those shows, Nanny 911 in the early 2000s, right? We'd, we'd turn one of those shows on and we'd begin to, begin to watch that. And you know, they would always choose for those shows like the worst kids in the world and the worst parents in the world and you know by the time we were we were done watching an episode of about that you know uh we would look at ourselves and begin to think you know what we have the absolutely best kids in the entire world and not only that we might be the best parents in the entire world and what happened there well we just stepped back for a minute instead of focusing so myopically on our situation right we got a bigger picture Stop focusing so much on their faults and on our faults, right? And started focusing on what inspires love. Think about things that inspire love. And you know who inspires love more than anyone else? The one who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The one who said, greater love has no one than this. That he lays down his life for his friends. And then he did. The one who never sinned, yet loves me. A person who has sinned many times and wants to be my friend. If he can do that, then I can love others. I can focus on what inspires love. Think about what inspires love. And then next... If you're going to walk in God's peace all day, think about what is admirable, that is worthy of admiration, worthy of approval. You know, I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's a lot of unadmirable stuff coming out of our culture. Can I encourage you? Uh, Here, this, this is just some free advice. Don't look to celebrities first as admirable examples. I mean, it's not that you can't find some admirable famous people, right, okay? And, or some famous people with some admirable qualities. I'm not saying that, right? But it just seems like more and more what is on unfiltered display in our culture it was what, is what Paul described to Timothy when he said, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then he said, have nothing to do with them. Now, he didn't say admire them. He says, have nothing to do with them. Don't admire people like that. You know, can I say something? Just because you're on a screen doesn't make you an admirable person. Being famous doesn't make you an admirable person. Being rich doesn't necessarily make you an admirable person, right? Being able to throw a ball, catch a ball, shoot a ball, hit a ball, kick a ball, dunk a ball, doesn't necessarily make you an admirable person. Instead, look at the scriptures for admirable examples. And then look for godly people in your life, people around you in your world who act like that. Admire them. Think on whatever is admirable. All right, let's take these last two together. If you're going to walk in God's peace all day, think about whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Now, this is the only place in all of Paul's writings where he uses this word excellent. However, it was very common in ancient Greece at the time, in Greek culture. It, was, it usually referred to some noteworthy, Human excellence or achievement, like someone who was at the top of their field or the best at what they did, like maybe a winner at the Olympic Games or the best general in the army, or or maybe the products that you sold in the marketplace were better than anybody else 's products right and so you were the, you were the best, most excellent uh, uh, merchant in the marketplace, and so these people would be described as excellent and praiseworthy, and people would heap praise on them and, and so Um, In this context, he says, think about things and people who are morally excellent and praiseworthy. Think about people who are excellent at exemplifying what is true, what is pure, what is noble, what is right, what is lovely, and what is admirable. And, And if you feel like you don't have enough examples of that, can I suggest someone to you? Say, you know who is excellent and praiseworthy? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's an excellent savior. He's an excellent redeemer. He's full of grace, full of love, slow to anger and rich in mercy. Um, He's excellent and praiseworthy. Say, can I just describe him to you for a few minutes? He's amazing, almighty, abundant, and attentive. He's beneficial and benevolent. He's compelling, commanding, convincing, and courageous. He's caring and compassionate and comforting and cleansing. He's discerning and devoted and divine. He's faultless and faithful. He's fierce and forgiving. He's good and generous and gracious and he's glorified. He's holy and healing. He's incorruptible and infallible. He's just. He's kind. He's king of kings and he's lord of lords. He's loving. He's living. He's lasting and he's loyal. He's mighty. He's noble and he's needed right now more than ever before. He's omniscient, he's omnipresent and he's omnipotent and he's overwhelming. He's perfect. He's powerful. He's protective. He purifies, he provides and he's praise worthy. He's quick He's quintessential. He's real. He's remarkable. He's revered and renowned and he's righteous and he is risen. He's supernatural and supreme. He's splendid and shining and superb. He's sacred and sanctified and spotless. He's trustworthy and truthful. He's uplifting, unselfish and unwavering. He's virtuous, vigilant, and and victorious, and he's wise and worthy of worship. He's xenodochial. That means he's friendly to strangers. He's Yahweh, and he's zealous, and he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the A to Z. He's the beginning and the end. He's true. He's noble. He's right. He's pure. He's lovely. He's admirable. He's excellent, and he's praiseworthy. Think On such things. Amen. Achieve peace by praying through it according to Philippians 4, verses 5 to 7. Then walk in peace all day long by dwelling on these things that God wants us to dwell on, according to verses 8 and 9. All right, would you all bow with me in prayer as we close this service this morning? Oh God, as we go out into this week, God, help us put these verses into practice. Help us gain your peace by praying through every situation as you intend. And God, help us walk in your peace by keeping our hearts and minds steadfast and focused on you and on the things you want us to think about. God, may your people experience this peace of God that transcends all understanding, guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week.